Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Chapter 15, we're going to look at the first 13 verses. And the topic tonight is disunity in the body of Christ. Disunity in the body of Christ. It's been a, a little while since we've done Romans. The last that we looked at was Romans uh, 14. That also talked about disunity, which is a major problem among the church today. This church included. This church isn't excluded from the things that are warned about in the Scriptures. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, you will see civil wars and family fights that have caused major divisions and even nations to form. One major example are the Jews and the Arabs today that came from Isaac and Ishmael. That whole situation developed because of sin and disobedience and lack of trust. Chapter 14 got into a lot about diet and holidays. Well, our Christian walk isn't based on what we eat or what we don't eat. On what days we observe or we don't observe. But it's based on God's Word and prayer. Those are the two major things, God's Word and prayer. God has received people who eat meat and don't eat meat. He has received people who observe certain holidays and don't observe other holidays. One of the things we saw in chapter 14 was to do nothing that makes your brother stumble. If it's going to make your brother stumble, even if it's okay for you to do, you want to show love for your brother by not doing that thing that could cause them to fall. We would rather give up our actions and our words than have our brother or sister stumble. Turn with me now to verse 1 of Romans 15. It says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 12.10. It says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But notice what this verse says. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. You see, if we think we're strong Christians, we really realize how weak we are without Jesus Christ. Our strength comes from the Lord, not in anything that's inherent in you or I. When we're on our knees, we're the strongest. When we're humbling ourselves before the Lord, 
we're the strongest. But remember, it's not by might or by power, but it's by His Spirit. And the Lord tells us that. Notice the last couple words of verse 1. And this is where it all is. Do nothing to please ourselves. And boy, how difficult is that? We love to please ourselves. But Paul is speaking, remember, in a setting of the church. He's writing this letter to a church he has not visited yet in the most popular country in the world. Most popular city in the world, Rome, where everything is happening. Where everything is self-gratification. Much like the United States of America today. Not like many other parts of the world, but definitely like the United States of America. So our Lord is telling us through His Word, don't do things to please yourself. Look to please other people in the body of Christ. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. How do you and I lift each other up? One of the things that we always have to battle is our flesh, right? We always have to battle our flesh and how it's always trying to have supremacy in our life. We're told in the Scriptures to crucify our flesh. Don't allow it to lead you. But understand, this, this letter is written to Christians, to Messianic Jews. And it's a warning for us to not put ourselves first, rather put someone else first. How well do we do that? It's a battle. It's a challenge. No matter where you are, you can be a leader in ministry. You can be just a new member in the church. And right away, your flesh starts kicking in. Oh, I wish I could be doing that. Or how come that person's doing that? Or, you know, I wish I was there. Or how come they're doing that with that person and not including me? It can come in so many different forms. And I think we've all been there. We've been there while it's going on in our church, while it's going in on our jobs. Could be happening in your family. But Jesus wants us to die to self, to get over ourselves. Don't count ourselves as anything special. And in that is a secret that God wants to show us. Because remember what Jesus, He's our greatest example. He was a servant of all. He was never looking for a pat on the back. Everything He did took Him one step closer to His crucifixion. Everything that we do for one another crucifies our flesh even more. Who is our neighbor? We see that with the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. Everybody is your neighbor. Everyone. 
everyone you come across. But how much more so, brothers and sisters, right here in this church, sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. And on a Sunday, all the different people that are here, with all uniqueness, all different personalities. Some that you're attracted to, some that you're not attracted to. But understand, the ones that you're not attracted to are the very ones that the Lord has put here to soften your heart, to help you to die to yourself. Think about that for a second. If everything was always sweet all the time in the body of Christ, how would we be challenged to grow? But God made each of us unique, and He loves every single one of us, and He's accepted every single one of us. Every single one of us, He's accepted. Yet how hard is it for us to accept one another sometimes? Verse 3, for even Christ did not please Himself. Notice how that's coming up a few times already, not pleasing yourself. For even our leader, our example, our God did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. can also be read, the reproaches of those who reproach you, Father, fell on me. So Jesus took the hit for His Father while He was on earth. Count yourself blessed and worthy when you take a hit for Jesus while you're on this earth. That's awesome. And we know, brothers and sisters, who we probably won't meet until we're in heaven, unless we see them on TV in an interview or something like that, are being persecuted much more severely than any of us were persecuted this year, in our lifetime. Some are losing their lives right now for their love of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. How awesome is that? That God in His magnificence gave us His love letters that we can refer to anytime. And we're going to see tonight some of the benefits of keeping our face in the book, of just reading His Word and praying to Him through the Scriptures. For whatever things, not just some things, not just Old Testament things, not New Testament things, but for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. How we doing, students? How we doing in the classroom of life with our main textbook? How are we doing with our quizzes every day and our tests that come our way when situations and people come into our lives. And how awesome is it that we can have a retest? <laughs> Amen. And a requiz when we fail the test. And all we have to do is go back to the textbook that has all the answers in it. The greatest teacher, of course, is none other than God Himself. 
the second part of verse 4, that we through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Today, we live in a world that has very little, if any, hope outside of Jesus Christ. Other religions, other philosophies, people search in all different places for the answers, whether it be in sex, drugs, rock and roll, money, wherever it is. Find out that there's no answer there. There's a hopelessness. There's an emptiness that can only be filled by Jesus Christ because he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the answer. He is that piece of object less than the dough that fills the hole in the donut. He fills the void in our hearts. But notice that through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures. Another word for patience is perseverance. How well do you and I hang in there through the tests and trials of life? Whether it comes through health issues, whether it comes through finances, social, um, spiritual. How well do we persevere in the things that happen within the body of Christ right here in the church here at Jamesburg? the different things that happen. How well do we persevere? How is our patience when things are going on? Do we hang in there? Well, God tells us that in the Scriptures, we find patience. In the Scriptures, we find comfort. Remember, God is the great I Am. I Am simply means He is whatever you need Him to be. He is your comfort. He is your patience. If you feel like you don't have that type of patience and perseverance, if you feel like you don't have that kind of comfort, you're, at un, you're uneasy, get into the Scriptures more. And don't just read it. Pray it. Example. Lord, as I read this verse 4 tonight, I know that I'm losing patience with the people in my life. Give me that patience that you had, dear Jesus. Let me have that patience. Let me have your patience. Lord, I feel uneasiness in my soul. Give me that comfort. Give me that peace that passes all understanding and only comes from you. As you read the scriptures, if you, as you turn to different areas of the scriptures, that's your prayer for that day. Those are your prayer requests for the day. Besides maybe ones that you have to lift up the, to the Lord in intercession or supplication. Where you're putting before the Lord your requests for the needy things, in, the needs in your life or the needs in others. Verse 5, now may the God of patience and comfort. There it is again. He's the God of patience. He's the God of comfort. And like any physician, he wants to take care of his patients. You and I are his patients. 
And one of the things he works in us is patience with each other, with our family, with our co-workers, and even patience with our Lord. How many of us would like an answer to prayer right now? Today. But the Lord sometimes delays his answers because he knows it's not time for us and he's developing our character, our nature, our patience. Now may, verse five, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. Now, Paul could relate to you and I. You and I could relate to Paul. People haven't changed. There are still the friction between personalities that were back in Paul's days and before. And there's going to be those clashes in personalities long after you and I are gone. Because it's part of the human fallen nature. People just rub us the wrong way. Sandpaper on a piece of wood rubs it the wrong way. But boy, it gets out the imperfections and impurities and makes it smooth, shiny, attractive. Understand that there are people in our church that are sandpaper for you and I. And I'm sandpaper for some of you. But God has accepted us all. He loves us with an unconditional love. And in this verse here, it talks about being like-minded towards one another. How can we do that? How can you be like-minded? That's a battle. But notice, it's being like-minded according to Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 6, because it takes us another step. That you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get one mind? Well, you get into one book. The Bible, God's heart, Genesis to Revelation. As we become students, disciples, followers of his word, we know the author. We become more in a relationship with him than we've ever had before as we spend time with him. In his word, his word reveals himself to us. So that mind, that one minus with Christ comes as we know Christ's mind. He has put his words in here for us to be able to relate to him. So we know who he is. We won't be fooled by counterfeits. And when we have his word hidden in our hearts, when sandpaper comes in our way, we welcome the sandpaper because it will, we know it will make us smooth and beautiful and easy to handle. 
We need to get over ourselves and realize we have imperfections and bumps that the Lord wants to smooth out. Second part of that verse, and one mouth to glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, when Jesus was on his, this earth, He lived to give glory to the Father. We live to give glory to the Father through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a team. There's teamwork going on. And like any good team, we all play a part in it. Every one of you is special and part of that team. The Bible says you're all living stones being built up into the body of Christ. When we're here tonight and people throughout the world are taking a midweek Bible study, you're the people that are drawn closer to the Lord. You're making that effort to do that corporately. The Lord is preparing His bride to go to a wedding one day. We're, go we're getting ready for a wedding. God's cleansing us. He's smoothing us out. He's preparing our hearts. So as we have that one mind with Jesus, our one mouth glorifies Him. And how do we do that? We did it in worship. We do it in, we, tonight we have corporate prayer. When we pray, anytime we pray, individually or collectively, we're put on our mouth together with our mind to glorify our Father in heaven. Verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Who are you? Who am I? To say, I can't receive you, but I can receive you. I can't receive you, but I can receive you. Who am I to do that? Think of the arrogance in that statement. And yet we have here in the Scriptures, Receive one another, just as Christ also received us. When did Jesus receive us? Think about when Jesus received us. When you and I realized how low lives we were. How filthy we were in our sins. He received us. And he's exhorting us here to receive one another, just as Christ also received us. And notice what happens when we do that to one another. We're giving God glory. We're setting His name apart. We're giving Him honor. We're recognizing Him because we're doing what He's asked us to do. Verse 8, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Now remember, Jesus came to the Jewish people. His ministry was to the Jews. And when he first sent out his apostles, he said, don't go into the Gentile world, go to the Jewish world. You see, he was using the Jewish people to lift his name up, to be a light for all the pagans Nations to come to know Him as the God of the universe. And that is what that means where it says, now I say that Jesus 
has become a servant to the circumcision. The circumcision are the Jewish peoples. For the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. The promises made to the fathers are all the promises made in the Old Testament. They're all the prophecies, all the things that were promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Verse 9, notice the result. It flows from 8 to 9. 9 is, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as a result of the Jewish people honoring God. The Gentiles would come to know their, that same God and glorify him. And as we continue to read, as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And notice the flow in 10. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. In verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. So you see an inclusion. inclusion. You're going from the Jews to the Gentiles hearing about the word, to receiving the Lord, to praising the Lord together with the Jews. We're fortunate that in our lifetime, some of us have seen Messianic Jews, and there's some here tonight that are in this congregation. And you might say, well, isn't that unfair? Why did he choose the Jews? Well, number one, he chose the Jews to reach the Gentiles. Could he have chosen the Gentiles to reach the Jews? Absolutely. Why didn't he? Because he's God. He can do that. He can decide how he wants to do it. It's pretty simple. He's a creator. He's, he's all intelligent. Knows everything. Knows how everything's going to turn out. His plan is the best. And through it in verse 9, we see His mercy is being extended. Mercy is simple again. Not getting what you deserve. What do you and I as Gentiles deserve? Not to know about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What do the Jews deserve? Punishment just like the Gentiles for rejecting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then God sheds his grace on you and me. He opens our eyes. We respond through our free will and become his sons and his daughters. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And then in verse 12, and again Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. And we know that the root of Jesse is none other than Jesus Christ. And we can go back into the Old Testament and see the genealogy. How cool in the book of Ruth, that we see Ruth and Boaz, a Gentile and a Jew, a pagan and a Jew, marrying and being in that line of Jesse, eventually 
leading to the birth of Jesus Christ. Jew and Gentile coming together. And we see that throughout the Old Testament. It's not just in the New Testament. Jesus, in verse 12, Jesus wants to reign over each of our hearts. And we know in a daily walk, sometimes it's really going good with the Lord, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes we're fleshing out, and sometimes we're walking in the Spirit. But understand that as we spend time in His Word and pray to Him through His Word, there'll be less and less of the flesh controlling our lives. See, remember when we're in heaven one day with each other? The flesh won't be a factor anymore. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can crucify the flesh here now and make it less and less of a factor. Will it try to rise, rear its head up? Absolutely. It only takes a second for that to happen. But, remember the test and the quiz a little while ago? You'll see as you get closer to the Lord through His Word and prayer that something that set you off easy before, you're finding yourself you have more patience because you're finding comfort in His Word. And when you see your transformation happening, you want to get into His Word more and more. And you want to crucify the flesh more and more because you see the benefits of it. If you pick your favorite restaurant, some, some meal that you really love, and you know you're going Sunday at 5 o'clock to this restaurant, what do you normally do a lot of times when you know you're going to have a great meal? You fast and you wait during that day because you want to pig out when it's 5 o'clock. Well, think of it spiritually speaking. When we find out all the things that the Lord has stored up for us, it's like that great meal coming. It's worth the wait. We don't have to give in to fleshly appetites, spiritually speaking, because we want to wait for the things that the Lord has prepared for us that no eye has ever seen nor ear has ever heard. So we want to have that patience, and we want to have take that comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ is a God of His Word. You and I, whether we are from a Jewish or a Gentile background, we have the only hope that this whole world needs. And the world is going to grow more and more hopeless. And we need to always be ready to love our neighbors, whoever they are, because it's everybody. Even outside the church, those people who might rub us the wrong way or maybe even some of the people we might be afraid of. God will move on their hearts if we are in his word and pray in the scriptures. God will prepare us for those days of meeting. In closing, verse 13. Now, today, for you and me, now, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace. What is bringing you down today? 
What is making your soul unrestful today? God wants us today to understand that He is here amongst us in a special way and He wants us to be filled with His joy and His peace. And maybe in that word joy, you have it backwards. Instead of Jesus, others, and you, it might be you, others, and Jesus last. Put Jesus first. Put him back on the throne, because it might be that simple. You might have yourself or someone else on the very throne that is only for him. So that joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be people of hope in the days that we live. It, that hope only comes as a result of being filled with God's Holy Spirit. You can never have enough of God's Holy Spirit. We want His Spirit in us to overflowing. We don't want to be half full. We want to be overflowing and bubbling and splashing everybody around us with His love, His comfort, His patience, and His hope. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. you